0: is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello everyone, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 507, recorded on Tuesday, November the 24th, 2020. Thank you for tuning in, folks. I am going to try to stay awake for this one and see how that goes. We appreciate that, Chris. I know. Thanks. I say that because I dozed off on the couch earlier this evening while I was just sitting there looking at my phone. Next thing I knew, I was asleep.
1: Nice. That happens to me every
0: now and again. I like it. I don't mind it, but it's not ideal when you have to, you know, get ready to do this and get back up again and ready to record for two hours. So,
1: Well, you got to do 25 jumping jacks and 15 burpees. Is that what they're called, burpees? <laughs> that is what they're called. I'm not sure I could do that many. <laughs> I'm not doing a burpee, I can tell you that.
0: No, thank you. All right, well, uh, how's it going this week, Jason? What's new with you?
1: Uh, it's going fine, Christopher, and absolutely nothing is new. Thank you very much for asking. Okay,
0: good. Nothing Nothing new. I haven't left your house in four, four months or so, have you?
1: No, I leave my house every day, but uh, <laughs> you I work from your, home.
0: You get into your car and then yeah. drive somewhere and get out of your car, and you're back home again.
1: Yeah, it's like a commute. I get up, I get uh, I get ready for work. Sometimes I take a shower. Other times I do a horse bath, and then I just uh, you know get in the car and drive my son to work school. <laughs> I guess <laughs> he's he's making wallets. What are you going to do? <laughs> and uh, and then I and then I get a coffee and come home. It's like a commute. I mean, sure, it's only twenty minutes, but. It's still a commute. Oh, yeah, I guess
0: so. I can't believe in one sentence you used the phrase phrase, whore's bath and told us your son was making wallets.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Dude. (laughs) Yeah, good Uh, times. Mornings are
0: fun. I guess so, yeah. Having, uh, I don't know, having said that, (laughs) we have a bunch of Walking Dead stuff to do today. Sure. Why not? Of course, we've got two new episodes of The Walking Dead to talk about, one of Fear and one of World Beyond. But we've also got some big Walking Dead news to report on before we get to those. Okay. So I want to do that right now. Sure. The Walking Dead News. So you remember, Jason, how they said that The Walking Dead was going to come back in early 2021 for an additional six episodes that they're tacking on to the end of season 10. Right. I do recall, yes. Season 10.5, as I like to call it, but I'm really the only one because that hasn't caught on, so it's just more of season 10, according to AMC. The big news is that they've announced when it's coming back, and a whole bunch of information about the episodes. Oh, really? That's, that's correct. Here is the general description for season 10.5. In these six new episodes, we find our survivors trying to pick themselves up by their bootstraps following the destruction of the whisperers left in their wake. The years of struggle weigh upon them as past traumas surface, exposing their more vulnerable sides. As they question the state of humanity, the state of their collective community, and the states of their minds, will they find the inner strength to persevere with their lives, friendships, and group intact? So so they're,
1: so they're bummed out. <laughs> it sounds like
0: it. Yeah, pretty big yeah, okay. question there. That the makes sense. So we've got titles and descriptions for all six of these episodes. Wow. And here they are. Episode number 17 of season 10 is called Home Sweet Home. Maggie has returned with a story she is not ready to share. Even when her past catches up to her, Negan's safety is at stake again. Daryl and Maggie fight an unseen and
1: unknown threat. Flies? (laughs) Maybe flies. Probably not, though. (laughs) Well, you can see flies, but not at night. And they buzz around and go,
0: they're really annoying. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so that one's obviously about Maggie, where she's been, what she's been doing, um, and how the fact that she's back. Episode right. 18, called Find Me. Here's the description. An adventure for Daryl and Carol turns sideways when they come across an old cabin. It takes Daryl back to the years when he left the group after Rick disappeared, as he relives a time that only the apocalypse could manifest. Huh. that one sounds fun. It's going to be a flashback episode explaining what Daryl was doing in those months and years after Rick disappeared and he was out looking for him. That sounds fun. Totally. I think that's, that's a good one. Episode 19 called One More. Gabriel and Aaron search for food and supplies to bring back to Alexandria. Small tragedies lead to bigger tragedies as faith is broken and optimism is fragmented when they are put to the ultimate test. Well, what
1: is the ultimate test? I want to know.
0: I don't know that yet, but, you know, faith is broken. So that's probably a reference to Gabriel. Optimism is fragmented. Aaron is usually a pretty optimistic guy. So that seems to be good, you know, a good character pairing there, if that's what's going to happen.
1: Does that mean Aaron is going to get fragmented? Well, his optimism is anyways. Okay. So Aaron's optimism
0: is going to be fragmented. True. All right, then. Episode number 20 called Splinter. This one gets back to what's actually going on right now because the description is Eugene, Ezekiel, Yumiko, and Princess are captured and separated. Princess struggles with memories of her traumatic past and tries to escape one way or
1: another with the help of Ezekiel. So let me get this right. Princess is captured by a bunch of people that look like stormtroopers. Is that That right? That is exactly what happened at the uh, end of the last, well, the last time we saw them. Okay. How come I didn't clue into that before? If this show hasn't been Star Wars in the past, which it has, it's definitely Star Wars now. Well, that's right. The princess was captured by stormtroopers. That's right. (laughs) And Eugene is R2-D2. Because if anybody in the show is an astromech, it's him. You're probably right.
0: (laughs) But I mean, that one is going to be interesting because- it's clearly going to give us a little bit more information about who has captured them, Mm -hmm. um, which I am looking forward to, you know, receiving. I think that'll be good.
1: Now, you know, this was, this appeared in the comics, right? This kind of plot line. That is correct. Okay. So you have an inkling of what's going on.
0: I do have an inkling of what's going on. I mean, I'm always curious to see what the show does and the different directions it takes things, but I know who these people are. I know what the, the group is called. um, so I, I have an idea, but yeah, it's still going to be fun to watch.
1: So we've had the kingdom. Now we have the empire. Is that what this is? <laughs> Tell me they're not called the empire. They're, they're not just... called the empire. No. <laughs> okay. Thank God. They are not called the empire. <laughs> All right. We'll leave
0: it at that. I mean, we'll find out soon enough. Episode number 21 called diverged. This description is Carol and Daryl come to a fork in the road and head their separate ways, each going into their own type of survival mode. The easiest of challenges become much harder. Will their individual journeys be the tipping point needed to mend their friendship, or is the distance between them permanent?
1: It's not permanent.
0: I don't think it's permanent either. Spoiler alert. Yeah. And finally, episode 22 is called Here's Negan. Carol takes Negan on a journey, hoping to minimize the increasing tension. Negan reflects on the events that led him to this point and comes to a conclusion about his future. Oh. So this one is going to be fun because this one is based directly on the, uh, standalone issue of the comic that was released called Here's Negan, which outlined his backstory. So, um, I think this will be another really fun one to watch, especially if you've read that comic and have some familiarity with
1: it. So if he's going to be pon- contemplating his future and you know reflecting on his past and, and makes a decision about what he's going to do in the future, yep. and the episode's called Here's Negan, I can only conclude that he's going to be a talk show host, right? <laughs> you come to talk show host from that? Well, Here's Johnny. It's from Saturday, or not Saturday Night Live, but uh, the, the Johnny Carson show. The Tonight Show, yeah. Here's the Tonight show. Johnny. Yeah. So that's the only conclusion I can logically come to.
0: Okay, well, you may be right. I don't know. You should go grab a copy of Here's Negan and read it.
1: I w- okay. I'm not <laughs> sure where. I'd have to buy it electronically. Well, you could order it on Amazon. They'd ship it right to your house. I've got my doesn't, copy doesn't on the shelf. Right. doesn't feel right. doesn't feel right buying a comic book, not at a comic book shop. And my comic book shop closed, so mm. I don't know where to go now. I'm kind of lost. And, you know, what. Everything else that's going on, I'm not, probably not going to go wandering around finding to find one. Sure. And I yeah. and I feel bad about ordering that kind of thing on Amazon, so I'm not going to do it. So my only recourse is to buy it electronically. Okay. Well, you should do that. You should read it. You'll get have a primer for
0: this episode then. All right. So that is the six new episodes of The Walking Dead coming now. You may ask, Jason, when are they coming back to your TV screen? <sighs>
1: You told me already, so I'm not going to ask that. But others may ask. When, Chris, tell us. Others may ask, and the answer is February 28th. 28th. So, is this a leap year? It's not a leap year, is it?
0: No. Well, I think it was a leap year 20, last year. Not
1: 21. It's an odd number. It's not a leap
0: year. Okay. So February the 28th, a Sunday, of course, on AMC. And um, they weren't lying when they said early 2021. I consider this early 2021.
1: <sighs> you know? Yeah, I guess so. It's, it's, it doesn't seem that early, but <laughs> I guess it's in the first quarter, so it's early.
0: Yeah, it's exactly. But February 28th, that's great. I mean, we don't actually have to wait as long as I thought we might have to wait. I kind of expected them to push that word early through a loose definition and come up with like May or something like that. J- so July. Yeah, right. So February 28th, we're going to get episode 17, Home Sweet Home, and then one a week after that for six weeks. So that is exciting. Nice. Now, there are also some new cast members for these particular episodes. Three of them, actually. Two are, well, you know what? They're all pretty interesting here. The first one is Robert Patrick. Remember Robert Patrick? He was Ah. in T2 as the... Liquid metal Terminator.
1: Yes. Okay. That Robert Patrick, I'm going like, I think that that's the Terminator guy uh-huh. and the X-Files guy, uh, even though I've, I know he was in X-Files, but I've never seen an episode of him in X-Files.
0: Yeah. He was on the X-Files later on, right after Fox Mulder left.
1: Right. Um, David Duchovny. So he, did he leave X-Files? Be, uh, did, uh, Mulder, Fox Mulder leave X-Files because, uh, he was, uh, in recovery for his porn addiction? Cause I know that that was a thing in X-Files, wasn't
0: it? Uh, well, wait a minute. David Duchovny was on another show called Californication, which was I, yeah, similar to that's that. that's
1: sex addiction. That's uh-huh. sex addiction. I think Mulder had a porn addiction. Oh. Like he had rooms full of porn cause it was the nineties and you couldn't do it electronically necessarily. So he had to, had physical media. So I'm pretty sure that Fox Mulder, correct me if I'm wrong. I never saw these episodes, but I'm pretty sure he had a porn addiction. Okay. Well, fair enough. Am I enough, projecting? I- I don't know if that's why he was,
0: uh, you know, removed from the show, but maybe. Okay.
1: Well, I know, uh, I know David Duchovny had, was, uh, uh, was a sex addict for a while. And I know this character in in Californication was a sex addict for sure. uh Uh-huh. So, I mean, that's made me, makes me wonder whether or not I'm just making up the Fox Mulder porn addiction. (laughs) I don't know, man. I wouldn't be surprised. (laughs) All right.
0: (laughs) Well, Robert Patrick, he's joining... The Walking Dead as a character named Maze. I don't know anything more about him. Oh, but maybe we'll,
1: some people call him Corn.
0: Maybe <laughs> I don't know. It's a French joke, everybody. Um, Hillary Burton is joining the cast as a character named Lucille. So you know who Lucille <laughs> oh, is. Oh,
1: backstory. We're getting a flashback.
0: We are indeed. So she's going to be in. Here's Negan, obviously, as his wife. You know what the interesting thing is, though. Hillary Burton is Jeffrey Dean Morgan's real life wife. No, They've cast his real life wife as his fictional wife on huh. The Walking Dead. So the real world and The Walking Dead universe are meshing together a little bit here.
1: Well, I mean, she, okay, so ha- have I seen her in anything else, do you think? Actually, I, I'm not sure. I
0: couldn't name anything she's been in, but she's definitely done a bunch of acting. So you probably have, you just
1: don't realize it. Okay, so she's a professional actress. She is, yes. Okay, so casting her is probably a smart thing to do in this day and age because they can be in the same room together because they're usually in the same room together. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, having that kind of casting has some definite advantages. It makes a lot of sense if they're going to be
0: close and, you know, up close and personal. Uh, They are anyways, they're really married, so it makes a lot of sense to do this sort of thing. Well, it makes
1: me wonder now whether or not the the barbed wire uh, encased bat is uh, uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan's real bat. (laughs) It might be. (laughs) So, I don't know. He 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 probably has one. He lives on a farm, a working farm, so uh, he probably needs a barbed wire bat now and then. Well, I'm thinking he might bring home, you know, if I was Jeffrey Dean Morgan, uh, I think I would probably try and acquire one of those props. Yeah, I don't see why not. Yeah, I don't know if I'd go home and make one really, because I suppose I could, but Yeah. I don't want to. But if I was acting with one, you know, actors tend to sometimes, occasionally, I'm going to qualify that a lot, uh, take home pieces of memorabilia of their time acting, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's wardrobe or props or what have you. So I assume he's taken home a bat.
0: He probably has. I wouldn't be too surprised to hear that. Okay. Anyways, now his wife is coming to set to play his wife, and nice. I think that'll be fun.
1: Well, except that he's now going to watch his wife, his real-life wife, die in the show, right? It's well, we'll see. Upsetting.
0: We'll see. Who knows what they do? All right. you well, know. she's dead. We know that. We do know that, but will they depict that on
1: screen? I don't know. Well, they have to. Probably. They have to. Probably, you're right. So, I mean, that's that's I that kind of bothers me that you they would have to do that. Well, it's as... like when they get an elderly character to play, or an elderly actor to play a character that dies of old age.
0: That's got to be hard. I, I it's got to be know. hard for them to do. Th- maybe, but they're also acting, and as long as they're okay with it, then I'm okay with it.
1: Okay, right. Well, you know, the John Spencer on the West Wing, uh, who was Leo McGarry, he, uh, he had to act that he had a severe heart attack. And then, you know, he eventually died of a heart attack. It's it's heartbreaking. It's It's, Sorry, I didn't mean to to have that as a pun. It's actually serious, and it it makes me a little bit upset that he had to act that and then live it in real life.
0: Well, sure. But you got to be able to separate real life from acting. That's why they're actors. This is what they do.
1: Okay. Well, that helps. Thank you. (laughs) Okay.
0: That was easy. I got one more here. One more new cast member. Sure. Okia... M.A. Aquari, and I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that name correctly, so I very much apologize. But he will be playing a character named Elijah, who is Maggie's mask-wearing ninja friend. Oh. So uh, they've cast an actual actor for that, so that mask is coming off. <laughs> We're going to see that person, wow, and there you that. go.
1: This I mean the obviously it's an actor, right? Like they're not gonna it's not a CGI character, so there's obviously a person in that suit. Right. So they don't have to show them without the mask on.
0: No, I know that, but this is a Michonne situation, right? Where we've seen this character on screen, it was just a stunt man or a stand-in for now. They've cast the actual actor to play this character. Oh, um, uh,
1: yeah, I got you.
0: Right? So there you go. Now, this uh, this guy was in Cobra Kai, which I know you haven't watched, and I've only watched a few episodes of, so I haven't seen him on the show, but that's where people will know him from, apparently, Cobra Kai.
1: Is that any good? You've seen a couple episodes.
0: Uh, I've seen four, maybe, of season one, the first four, and it is good. I, I think uh, I l- liked what I saw, and from what I hear, it just gets better and better to the level of amazing, like very, very good, I've heard.
1: Do you have to have seen The Karate Kid? Um,
0: I, I mean, it helps, but probably not, no. But you know what, Karate Kid is good. We rewatched The Karate Kid before we started Cobra Kai. That's a solid movie from the 80s. Is it? Okay.
1: Yeah. Cause I've only seen it once, and I think it was in the theater when it first came out, and I've never seen it again.
0: Well, and it has my, um, favorite Elizabeth Shue in it, so... Uh, I could watch it a lot, but it's good. It's a good movie, man. Cobra Kai or the Karate Kid? Karate Kid. Cobra oh, okay. Kai the TV show so far I think it's so far I think it's good, but I don't quite get the um immense adoration for it yet, but I think it improves as it goes on to get to that level. That's what I've heard.
1: Okay. Well, there's a real good chance that I will
0: never see it. I know. That's fair. Anyways, this actor (laughs) will be on Walking Dead as Elijah. Awesome. So there you have it, everyone. Walking Dead comes back February 28th with new episodes. They sound fun. I'm excited for them because after next week, we aren't going to have any new Walking Dead content on our TV until then. Um, So I look forward to it. Sure. All right, Jason, let's move on into our discussion of Fear the Walking Dead season six, episode seven. It is the mid-season finale of the show, and it's called Damage from the Inside. Now, last week we were wondering what's going on, why episode seven is the mid-season finale and not eight. Right. And word is that it was the same as the main show. They simply couldn't finish the final episode in time when, you know, the world originally had to shut down due to the pandemic. Um, My only question there is... You know, I think I heard that they resumed production in August and you're telling me that they couldn't finish one episode in like three months. So I think a decision was made somewhere along the road that, okay, maybe we can, we could finish episode eight, but we're not going to, we're going to simply go with seven as the end and start up again with eight later on. But it was the pandemic again that screwed them up in any case.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's not only production schedules, but, uh, production reliability is probably an issue. Like you have good intentions and you want to set things up and, uh, you know, you plan for things and then things fall through and you have to go to your plan B and your plan C (laughs) and your plan D and, uh, it's just, this is such a colossal pain in the ass, uh, that why don't we just work with what we've got now and shut it off at seven. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's probably something like that. I, I say that, you know, how could they not finish one episode over three months, but it really depends on what stage they were at, I guess, right? How much had they'd filmed? How yeah. much, you know, how many, mi- what kind of commitment they needed to get the actors back to refilm the sets, the locations, you know, maybe something wasn't available properly in time, who knows? So that's what it is though. We got seven episodes instead of eight because, they had to shut down and, you know, now they're back in production working on the second half of the season, which will be sometime next year.
1: Yeah. And everything takes longer now. That's Nowadays. true too.
0: Everything just takes longer. Like I'm experiencing that at work. Everything seems to take longer.
1: <laughs> yeah. No Maybe matter This, what. this whole thing is, is teaching us a valuable life lesson in that, you know, we really don't need to be running at full tilt all the time. You know, in yeah. order to, to be better humans, safer humans, we need to, uh, against our will chill the fuck out, <laughs> right? <laughs> you,
0: you may be onto something. I could, uh, yeah. I would not be upset if the whole world just chilled out a little bit, you know, and took it slower. I'm
1: a, I am i got to say, I'm a little bit excited about the, uh, the acceptance of, uh, working online and working remotely now that, uh, instead of forcing everybody to always be working in the same goddamn room, if you have to fine, but we're learning a very, another valuable lesson that, uh, if everybody's working from home, you know, in a lot of cases that's okay. Oh yeah.
0: I'm, I'm, I completely see that. Uh, I was, I felt when I first started working at home back in March, I initially felt very good with it, felt very productive, you know, and then it, it ebbs and flows a little bit for me. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm, I go through phases where it's sort of like, oh, I just want to get out of here. I could use a change of scenery for a little while instead of sitting here, but I never felt that way going to an office and it was the same for years and years and years. So I'm not sure what yep. it is.
1: I, I, I never get that feeling. No, I've never gotten that feeling where I've felt stir crazy and I just needed to get out. It's never happened. Well, you've been working for home for 10 years. Yeah, pretty much. But, you know, even when I was younger, I was perfectly content just sitting in a room.
0: Well, me too, for the most part. But, uh, I don't know. I guess it's the work thing that I have some discontent yeah. with after a while. Anyways. Yeah, and I,
1: I generally don't like being around other people. So that's, well, there's also that. <laughs> there is that. Yeah. I mean, being around other people virtually is okay, but you know, when you got to get into a room with them, you know, you don't have, I just don't like it. Okay, well, fair. Anyways,
0: that was a tangent, but back to Fear the Walking Dead. So I think this was a bit of a weird episode to me. Um, I liked a lot of it, but there was this sort of chunk in the first two thirds or maybe the middle third only with Ed that I felt was a little unusual for some reason. So the deal here is that Strand loses Dakota, He is in a convoy transporting her somewhere on, you know, for Virginia, and he loses her when they get attacked. So he enlists Alicia to help him find her because he thinks that,
1: you know, the Dakota has some fondness for Alicia. So- couple things before we move move on sure are, are you just giving a synopsis overall and then we'll jump into things i was
0: just going to give a basic synopsis yeah uh, uh, so, i apologize no that's okay so so uh, you know alicia goes to find her they end up with this weirdo named ed he is doing some kind of sort of taxidermy with walkers he tries to hold them captive for a while in the name of helping them and eventually they escape and morgan shows up at the end <laughs> so right. that's my basic synopsis of it um And like I said, everything I, I think everything with Ed was kind of unusual and weird and didn't quite sit right, but everything else around the, the stuff with Ed, I thought worked really well, but I'll, I'll stop there and you can, uh, you can go with what you were going to say about the beginning there.
1: Well, I got two things. One is it had, I hate when they do this, but they had that exposition moment at the beginning where this horse comes running back. Like they're on, they're on this, in this convoy, they have an escort and, you know, Strand is in the truck with Dakota and uh, everybody else is on horseback. And then this riderless horse comes back and somebody yells, that was Terry's horse. He was scouting ahead. It's like, Jesus fucking Christ. Everybody knows that. Like, why are you, just that exposition, that kind of that shit annoys me. There's got to be a better way to write that. Oh Yeah. Uh, 100%
0: 100% there's a better way to write that. I mean they're what they've done there is they're just telling us. They're just telling us the audience what's yeah. going on, right? Instead of having a 3-second scene where Terry goes, "Hey, I'm going to scout ahead." I you know for for some reason, like make up a reason, writers, there's lots of them probably.
1: Yeah, you know. I mean, yeah. I, I, anyway, that kind of thing annoys me. And the, and the second thing is uh, Strand enlisted Alicia, didn't he send Alicia as far away as humanly possible so that she was like super far away from him? Well, and that's the thing that goes back to
0: episode number two, which I had a hard time sort of figuring out Strand's motivations in that episode and why he wanted them to be together. And then he wanted to send her away, but ultimately he does. He sends her away and it looks like her and Charlie have been manning some kind of watchtower somewhere. And they've been there for weeks, they say.
1: Yeah. It's like a fire watch, but it's a zombie watch. Exactly. So that's You're what they are looking for zombie doing. outbreaks.
0: But it couldn't have been that far away because they were within radio range. Although, you know, on this show, I shouldn't put too much stock in that. Everyone's always yeah. within radio range, no matter where they are.
1: I'm surprised she didn't fly over in a makeshift plane that she built her, on her, herself <laughs> yeah.
0: while she was bored. Hey, this isn't season five, okay? This is season <laughs> six. Things are better now.
1: I know, but it just, it seems a little convenient that uh, he sends her as far away as I'm going to send you as far away as I can. And yet she's right fucking there when he needs her. I know.
0: I know. It's, it's, it's just kind of not paying attention to the details sort of, or, or breaking their own rules in a way when they do stuff like this.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess they could have glossed over like two weeks, right? It could have been two weeks later that the next scene happened.
0: Oh, when he radios her and it takes her 2 weeks to find
1: him? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it could happen, right? Oh, it totally could happen. I mean, it didn't, but it could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that kind of shit annoys me. Uh overall, I thought the episode was a little bit disjointed, but
0: I guess it was okay. Yeah, I think it was fine. I still think season 6 on the on the whole has been actually quite great, you know. Fear has had a complete 180 from last year because it's gone from pretty terrible to pretty good. One of the better seasons, I think. So even though disjointed is, is a good word for this episode, um, at at least when you think about all the Ed stuff, um, I still think it was, it was okay. And some of the stuff we got towards the end, I really, really enjoyed. Um, and, and yeah, uh, so, so fear, you know, they've done a, they've done a, surprisingly good job with this first half of season
1: six. All right. Well, good job. And then, and then Morgan's the uh, Alicia asked Morgan, where is this place? Cause Morgan was talking about this special place that he found where they could all go and be happy together forever with no repercussions. And, uh, they'll never find them. Uh, she said, where is this place? And he says, it'll be easier for me to show you Like fuck bullshit. I would, I would jump all over anybody who ever said that. It's just like, you know, give me a one word sentence oh, it's in a drained lake of a, uh, a dam. Yeah. You know, holy shit. That was easier to tell you than, than to show you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so why, so why do they write lines? Like it's easier to show you than what's, what's the reasoning for that? If you're a writer on this show, instead of writing something like it's a drained lake, it's protected by a dam. If you look on a map, you will see a lake, not somewhere we can live
1: suspense drama like it it adds kind of maybe it adds drama between the two characters because we have a an unresolved discussion
0: i don't know or is it like an in show thing morgan doesn't want to reveal too much to
1: her yet because he's not sure if she'll come well why the hell doesn't he say that it's like i don't want to reveal yeah. i don't want to just say it out loud right now i don't know who's listening uh you know i'll i'll It'd be better, it'd be more secure for me to show you rather than to just blurt it out right goddamn now.
0: Right. So, I mean, like the other thing, there are ways they could have done this. There are reasons they could inject into the show for him to, to use a line like that, but they just don't. And, you know, that's a writing problem, I guess.
1: Yeah. And I kind of try to live the opposite in my life, Mm -hmm. right? If something happens... Like the time my, uh, Jasper got a big nasty cut on his forehead at preschool, he fell and he got this big cut and he needed to go to the hospital and get stitches. Right. So we, you know, I bundled him up, Jenny came, we all went to the hospital. They didn't put stitches, they glued his fucking head together. Yep. Anyway, it was pretty interesting. He was great that day, but I called my mom afterwards to tell her what happened. And the first thing I said was, Jasper's okay. Okay. Right. And then I told her the story. If I was just about to, you know, start the story, Jasper was at school and he tripped and he fell and he hurt himself really bad. You know, in her mind, it's like, is he fucking dead? Is he dead? Right. No, he's not dead. Right. You know, you start with the conclusion so that they can relax a little bit. Like, sure, that kind of, that would amp up your emotions. Sure. Uh, you, know, you know, Jasper's okay. It's like, oh shit, what happened? But it, you know, at least you get the conclusion of he's not dead. Right. So yeah. Yeah. I try and live my life the opposite of the bullshit that, you know, writers write in TV. they're right. trying to build drama. I'm trying to alleviate it. You're trying to diffuse the drama. <laughs> yeah. If I can. Yeah.
0: A lot of times it does not work. I've been in that situation before where you start at the end and then fill in the details. But,
1: you know, I yeah, guess- Yeah. Or like the time that I got swatted, right? Mm-hmm. A whole bunch of police officers broke down my door and put me in handcuffs and then searched my house. Uh, and then didn't find anything. And then there was officers in my house for like four hours. I called my wife at work and I, first thing I said was, everything's okay. There are police everywhere. <laughs> you know, at that point you can start telling a story. Right. But you start with everything is fine. Yeah. I'm fine. Everything's fine. The door's broken. There's police everywhere. Let me tell you what happened. <laughs> you know, unless you're using that story
0: as part of your stand up routine, then start at the beginning and go to the end.
1: Yeah. But uh, you know, even I guess TV shows and movies do you know, have structure that way. Right? Mm-hmm. They start with the cold open of something happens or you see the conclusion and then they spend the rest of the time building up to that conclusion. Yeah. Right? Like, "Oh shit, I wonder what happened. I wonder how the how we got here." You know, it is a storytelling mechanism, but uh I try and use it to not have drama rather than to build it. Sure. So ultimately to answer your question, I don't have any idea what the writers are thinking when they write lines like that. Yeah. Don't. You know, it it must be for something like
0: that though. Just keep the drama going. But let's talk about Ed a little bit. So Ed Ed. is, he, you know, he, he has Dakota. He, he, Alicia comes into his house looking for her. He drugs her. Um, (laughs)
1: For no reason,
0: in my opinion. Uh, well, I mean, I
1: mean, they kind of explained it that they, uh, he Ed thought that she caused the uh, the kerfuffle. Yeah. At, um, for the convoy, so she so she thought that uh, that Alicia was the bad guy. He, he thought Alicia was dangerous. That's right.
0: They kind of did, but I don't know. It's it felt so weird to me because he injects her with something, and then for the rest of the time he's pretty friendly, at least for a while, until. He becomes this weirdo Dr. Frankenstein who is taking walkers and he's adding like horns and animal parts to them. And his whole point is to create scary walkers as if they're not scary enough already to keep people away.
1: Well, it's the crazy factor, right? Like if you see a bunch of zombies wandering around, you're like, okay, fucking zombies. But if you see zombies with goddamn antlers on their heads coming out of their heads, you're like, Jesus! Somebody built that. They're fucking crazy. I better get out of here. Yeah, I'm not going anywhere near (laughs) that place. (laughs) But he had a good line when he injected Alicia with the with the drugs. He said, "This won't hurt as much as you think." Right.
0: It was a good line. I like that line. Okay. Well, he he said it was just some animal tranquilizer that you know she'll be fine.
1: Like any good taxidermist would have, don't they use? Do they? They don't
0: kill animals in order to stuff them, do they? Nobody hunts, And, and so maybe if he. Maybe he tranquilizes it to bring it back to his, to his, but I mean, if he, whether he's going to eat it or taxidermy it, it's dead. So I don't know.
1: It's a fucking serial killer. That's the only conclusion. Like, sure. He may be a taxidermist, but damn it. He, you know, he, he murders people and cooks them on the side.
0: Maybe. Well, the reason he does all this, he reveals is that the first time he did it he was doing it with his wife and daughter. He thought he could keep them safe by doing this, but one of his modified zombies got loose and killed his family. And so he created the very thing that destroyed his family. It's truly mm-hmm. tragic and ironic. Yeah. Right. That's, that is what it is, but he, you know, so he wants to keep them safe because Dakota reminds him of his daughter and this and that. And you know, we've sort of, touched on these things before in other episodes and and other shows. Uh, But ultimately he is then killed by his modified zombies, um, even though he's mortally wounded at that point, but that's it. Then the girls are free. And at that is the moment when Morgan shows up. And I thought everything after Ed was dead was really pretty fantastic. I loved Alicia reuniting with Morgan I thought the look on her face when he steps into the doorway was really good. It was sort of disbelief mixed with confusion and a little bit of happiness at seeing him. And, and I thought, uh, she did a really good job there. Uh, they have a conversation about Emil. Remember Emile from the first episode, the bounty hunter? I do. Yep. And she keeps asking, who's Emile? And I thought that was funny. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. Um, and then the two of them have a debate about whether to use Dakota as leverage with Virginia for the release of their people. Like, should we trade Dakota back for our people? Right. And this is Morgan's plan. This is what he wants to do. But Alicia says she'll have none of it. And I loved her reasoning, right? She says, why would we do that to Dakota and turn her against us now and basically create something that might hurt us later? which was exactly what happened to Ed. So there was a good uh, thematic parallel there. And, you know, sure, it's a little bit on the nose and kind of obvious, but I enjoyed it.
1: I got to say, I didn't mind it at all. So let me ask you a question about Ed. Okay. All right. So let's say uh, the apocalypse, not a zombie apocalypse, but the end of the world has happened. And uh, I'm holed up in my house with my family and I'm surrounded by bears right? There's bears everywhere. And I'm worried about going outside to try and find food or whatever, what have you, because there's goddamn bears everywhere. Of course. So what I decide to do is protect my family by taming a bear. Uh-huh. So I go and kidnap a bear and bring it into my house in order to try and tame it. And then the bear kills my family. Right. And I don't think it was very smart to bring a bear into your house or into no. my house. No, no, So not. why would you? why would you bring a bear into your house? Why wouldn't you, you know, there's got to be another house around or maybe a shed or something a little more, uh, you know, I thought I could protect them because I, you know, the bear seemed friendly. I put a muzzle on it. I brought it into the house. I forgot it had claws. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, I, I
0: understand what you're saying, but you can't equate a bear and a zombie, right? People know what bears are. They know uh then you know what you're getting when you bring a bear into your house and okay. let's say early on in the apocalypse you're like maybe i maybe i can deal with this zombie in the house maybe it isn't that dangerous and then you find out it is of course but you just don't know
1: okay so let's change bears with uh, a dog like there's there's a pack of dogs you know wild dogs running around right. and i decide that these dogs were pets at one point i could probably tame it i give it a steak Dog loves steak. I, you know, dog loves me for giving it steak. I bring the dog in the house, we pet it. Dog freaks out and kills my family. Uh-huh. You know, that's a little bit better because, you know, you people are confused about dogs because, you know, uh, having a dog that is a pet is one thing, but dogs can also be wild and uh, are not really uh, trustworthy when they're wild. But so are you saying, is the question... He
0: brings the first zombie in, or dog, it goes wrong, so why does he keep doing
1: it? No, I'm questioning why would he bring the dog into his house in the first place, or why would why would he be such a dumbass to bring a deadly, wild thing into his house because he thought it was he could make it safe? It's not safe. It's a fucking time bomb. Well, I know that, but my point is maybe he didn't realize that at the time. No, Of course, you didn't, but I'm I guess I'm highlighting how much of a dumbass he is because if you change zombie into bear, it's a dumb thing to do, right? You change zombie into dog, it's a questionable thing to do. It doesn't feel dumb to me at all. If
0: a dog showed up at my door, I chance I might let it into the house.
1: If you captured one of a wild pack of dogs that have been running around for five or six years without any owners, no fair. I probably not in that case, I guess. Yeah, I'd be. Uh... I'd try and kill the dogs. Yeah. Right.
0: I can understand your point. Like he, he tried to create this hybrid zombie, not a hybrid, but you know what I mean? Like horned zombie and it didn't go well. In fact, it went really poorly. So why is yeah. he still doing it? I mean, he claims that he just wants to create these scary zombies. And as you said, look crazy and keep people away. I mean, I guess it worked because yeah. he's still there and he's alone. He's a serial killer. He's pretty weird. That's for sure. <laughs> um, and the last thing I wanted to mention, though, about everything that happened after Ed died, is they have a little standoff with Strand in the end, right? Alicia, Morgan, the girls, and um, and Strand shows up, and I thought that was a great scene too. Everybody was was really good there, and ultimately, um, Strand has to let them go because he's just one against their many.
1: Uh, and uh, I yeah, it, I predict I predicted the line at the standoff, right? When he said, "Are you sure you want to do this?" Like, obviously, it's going to be, do you, is the response, because it's the only response. Yeah. It's a good line, though, right? (laughs) It is, but it's so done to death. But she turned it around on him, you know? Yeah, but, I mean, (sighs) that line wrote itself, right? There was no need for an actual writer to to write that down. Well,
0: fine, man. But earlier, you know, we're complaining about lines the writers did write, so (laughs) it's nice that one could write itself for once that was really good. Well, I'm still
1: blaming the writers. (laughs) (laughs) So they're either not good enough or they're too good. (laughs) Uh, They're just not good enough. It just, there was lots of questionable crap in this, uh, in this episode that it's author intrusion, right? It's like somebody, did you really write that? Did you really have to write that? Yeah. I think Ed overall
0: is kind of author intrusion because he's so weird. I thought everything Ed did felt like it was writers trying to come up with something We just haven't seen before something weird and unusual that we haven't seen before on the show. And that's what Ed's whole thing felt like to me. So that's what I didn't like about Ed. But again, it was surrounded with all this other good stuff because I thought Zoe Coletti was amazing as Dakota in this episode. Best we've seen her. I thought Alicia Debnam Carey, who's generally pretty good, but has barely been on the show this season. I thought she did a great job. And Alexa Nissenson, who plays Charlie, I thought this was her best episode as well. I feel like she's come into her own a little bit as an actor, you know, oh, yeah. grown up a little bit over the couple of years that she's been on the show. So like all of them were really, really great in my opinion. Cool. Um, so some notable things out of this episode that I wrote down here is that at the beginning when Strand tells Alicia to go find Dakota, he tells her to click three times on the walkie when she finds her. And if you recall, that was a sort of a code system they had back in the day that Madison came up with for low-key communication amongst the family. Mm -hmm. So a bit of a callback there. And Alicia says, of course, you know, I know what that means. Cool. And then speaking of Madison, so a lot of people, a lot of people were expecting her to return in this episode. Including you. Well, a little bit. Um, it did not happen, of course. She does not show up. We instead get what I just mentioned, Strand talking about the radio. And, and Alicia mentions going back to the stadium, which is where Madison apparently died. So there uh-huh. were some callbacks and references to her, but she did not appear on screen. No, but we had a substitute. Uh, we had a substitute at the end, you mean? Yeah, we did have a character uh, reappear out of nowhere, and that, of course, is Grace. So Grace is being held by um, Virginia in a <laughs> dark room all alone while she's pregnant.
1: Yeah, I, I can you explain to me what the hell? Well. Do you know? Because I don't. I mean, she, she's wha- in a room Yeah, that's got, there's a guard outside the main door mm-hmm. and then inside that door past the guard is a secret door and inside that secret door is a room with a pregnant lady. Yeah. Like I was expecting something a little more, you want to be, you know, if you want to, uh, what was, how did she put it? You want me to let you into the show or yeah, something the, like that? She says to Strand something about being in the big show. Yeah. Yeah, so this is like, okay, so you're going to be read in to the big secret that the, that we have. You know, you want into the inside, now's your chance, and it's a pregnant lady. It's like, what? What? I mean, sure, Strand knows her. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, why is she pregnant? Why is she in a secret room? Why is she in a secret guarded room? It doesn't. It didn't make any sense to me.
0: So what's Virginia doing is your question. Why is she holding her captive while everybody else is basically working for her? And, yeah, not happy about it, but working for her and why a secret, and why a secret? So we all know that Morgan is desperately trying to find grace. that's his primary goal, really, other than aside from getting everyone reunited. Does Virginia know this? does virginia you know and and if she knows it now, why you know did when did she find that out out that information and you know as far as she knew, Morgan was dead because she left him there on that porch, bleeding out while zombies approached. So what is the point of holding Grace? Um,
1: yeah, I'm, I'm not clear. I don't know. Is she going to use Grace's bait? Like, is that the big secret? Like, cause she said, get everybody that, uh, uh, from the gulch, mm-hmm. you know, so she wants Strand to get everybody back. Right. But
0: that's fine. So she can do that now. But what was the point of holding her all these months? Before
1: she needed to use her as bait, pregnancy's not a big deal, is it? No I mean, I'm so. sure it's a big deal for the people that are pregnant, but I mean it's not like a societal, oh my God, somebody's pregnant situation. Yeah,
0: I don't know. maybe maybe we're missing something here, but it it seems strange that she would hold her captive while everyone else is um, just working semi-freely, you know, not really freely, but still. I is mean, is it a zombie baby? It's convenient for the plot, unfortunately, right? That's what it is. We know Morgan's looking for her and oh my gosh, he can't find her because she's a prisoner. That's going to A, get him even more upset and B, give Virginia this time some leverage and ability, something to hold over Morgan, right?
1: Yeah, I would say that it was a kind of a half-assed attempt at a mid-season finale reveal, but... Every episode has had a reveal like this at the end, so it's kind of uh it it's kind of lost its luster. I mean, to be fair, most of the episode's reveal was
0: Morgan showing up at the end, and we kind of knew <laughs> oh.
1: that <laughs> right, and Morgan didn't show up at the end. I guess that's a surprise. Oh my God, he showed up in the like within the last twenty minutes instead of the last five. Well, that's
0: fucking great. He still showed up to save the day, but you're right. he came a little earlier yeah uh, so but I mean, it is supposed to be a big surprise, and frankly it kind of was it, but it, but I don't, I don't get it right so far. Um,
1: I mean, even the casual viewers would be, you know, casual viewers would be who, 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 like who's that again? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I guess. I had, it took me a couple of seconds to
0: figure out who the fuck that was. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, Morgan has been talking about her the whole time, but you know, I, it's fair. We haven't seen her in a long time. Yeah. Anyway. So that's a little bit confusing. um, Speaking of Morgan, we did not find out who rescued Morgan, but it does seem unlikely now that it was Dakota, which after you mentioned that earlier last month, I was pretty convinced of because now Morgan and Dakota have met. He didn't say anything. She didn't say anything. And so I suppose it's not, it doesn't completely rule her out, but it doesn't seem like it's her anymore. Right. So, well... Who does that leave? Um, we know it's not any of our main characters because they were all taken away uh, by Virginia. We know it wasn't Sherry at this point, And that leaves either a new character or Madison's coming back and it was her.
1: I don't think it's going to be either. Like, I don't think it's Madison, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's, it it's, Built up too much to be somebody new. Right? Exactly. But we're running out of options here, aren't
0: we? Is it a past, is it a different past character that we, um, from a previous season? Like, is it Troy? Uh, I can't remember who's dead anymore, but you know. Heath? (laughs) Is it Heath? Yeah. No. (laughs) That doesn't mean, because he's showing up somewhere else, right? Well, Heath is with the CRM And that is like four years or five years in the future from now. So, but when did Heath go missing? Like the timeline is very confusing. So could Heath be here at this point in time frame? I don't know. Maybe. Is it? This is worse than a time travel fucking movie or television show. Or is, is it somebody from a place like the CRM just four years ago, CRM and, and it's a character we know. Maybe it's Elizabeth, the, you know, Lieutenant Colonel Elizabeth. Maybe it's, um, no, I don't know. Who knows? It's four years earlier. I don't know.
1: (laughs) I think it's Noah Emmerich from season one. He didn't actually die at the CDC. I think he's coming back and he's saving Morgan. Well, look, if he didn't actually die, (laughs) Madison
0: probably didn't actually die and she's coming back
1: who was the who was the lady in the season one that uh, died in the CDC with him what was her name oh my gosh Jackie Jackie yeah. yeah I remember i was I was adamant that Jackie didn't die because she had a force field pen because she was clicking the pen <laughs> uh, and that they created a force field around her so that she wouldn't die when the CDC blew up okay anyway maybe it's Jackie
0: I don't know, man. I have, I don't know. They've told us that they're going to reveal that mystery. So it will be public knowledge at some point. I'm just trying to figure out who it was. I was convinced it was Dakota, you know, she's a new character. Yes. But she seemed to be playing a kind of important part. And I was for sure, you know, when, when Morgan showed up in this episode, I'm like, Dakota's going to go. Sure, I'm glad I rescued you, or something like that, right? Hopefully better. Well, the
1: thing about Dakota is she never goes anywhere on her own. She either goes with somebody who's escorting her, Mm -hmm. or she secretly tags along with somebody else that's going somewhere. Yeah, that's true. So in order for her to save Morgan, she would have had to have gone there by herself, and that doesn't fit her character. No, it doesn't,
0: but we're, she's new. We're still learning about her. So maybe that would be something we did find out. Or like you said, she stowed away to the molasses plant, right? Yeah. In episode two. So maybe she stowed away to the gulch and she was there, um, unbeknownst to anybody. I don't know, but I was convinced it was her, no longer convinced, but now I'm completely confused. I guess it's not the first time. Maybe
1: it's the. Ghost of Morgan's dead wife? <laughs> I don't know. It's Dwayne, his son, who's <laughs> returned? Dwayne? Oh my God. Yeah, we only have Morgan's word that he died, right? Uh, right. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Maybe Whatever. Dwayne's
0: been following him around for years. Sometime in early 2021, or maybe not that early, when this show comes back. Oh God, I hope they, they let us know. Yeah. All right. Um... Uh, I don't know, this is neither here nor there, but when I was thinking about how good I thought uh, some of the actors on this episode were, like Zoe Coletti and Alexa Nissenson, I went and looked them up, and I was surprised, Jason, to find out that Alexa Nissenson is 14 years old, okay? Hmm. About the age that she plays on the show, maybe a little bit older. Zoe Coletti, Dakota, how old do you think she is? Thirty-seven. I have no idea I'm bad with age. She's eighteen. She's oh, okay. She's four years older than Alexa Nissenson. If you put them beside each other, I would have said it's the other way around. I think Alexa looks much older than Zoe. Weird. Um but I don't know. Just something I found interesting. How old is Soph now? My daughter Sophie is thirteen.
1: Okay, so about that age. Yeah. But but I don't know.
0: She looks her age, I think, but I'm sort of... No, uh... I'm
1: just saying that she should be a professional actress.
0: Oh, fair enough. That's the case. Well, in any case, um, don't make the mistake of going to Zoe Coletti's Instagram page because it will make you feel
1: uncomfortable. I'm not sure I've ever gone to an Instagram page. Well, I know you're not a social media guy. <laughs> How do you get there? Is it like Insta- Instagram.eu or something?
0: Uh, Yeah, try EU. I have no idea what you'll get. Dot <laughs> IO. That's the
1: hot thing these days. Is it? Yeah. I don't know from domains anymore. Do did, did we have a whole bunch of new top level domains? Oh, there's
0: millions of them now. Yeah. Dot oh, like cool. full words, but anyways. Uh, so that is fear of the walking dead season six episode seven like i've said a bunch of times solid solid half to this season i was really happy with it and we'll get more fear uh sometime in the new year cool cool we are going to take a very short break and when we return it will be time to talk about the walking dead world beyond episode number eight stay with us Welcome back to the program, everyone. It is time to talk Walking Dead World Beyond Episode 8, The Sky is a Graveyard.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: They got some poor titles on this show. <laughs> I hate to say it, but whatever. I, I can't say that Bury Him Next to Jasper's Leg is a good title either, so both shows. It's are. hard
1: to title things. I mean, there's a yeah. lot of TV shows out there. There's, they're running out of titles. They They really are.
0: Okay, uh, World Beyond, number eight. This is our Silas episode. So all is revealed about him, and it picks up right, as, well, pretty close to where we left off last week, if you recall, of course, we find Tony dead, and it appears that Silas may have been involved because he's there, he's drunk, he's covered in blood, and he doesn't know what's going on. So in this episode, they have him tied up outside to a swing set. Yeah, because that's what you do. That's what you do, right. And he claims that he doesn't remember what happened, um, but basically the point of this episode is that we learn, the audience learns, what happened between him and his father that led to him killing his own father. Now, he, he was zombified at the time, but the deal is his father was abusive. Silas at one point snapped and attacked him, and Silas ultimately has to rescue his mother from his zombie father, kills his dad, which sort of makes his mom terrified him of him and he kind of loses both his parents on the same day
1: hey okay go ahead, go ahead. No, well it doesn't make any sense I mean obviously <laughs> <Again>? <laughs> yeah i mean the the everybody being afraid of him and uh ostracizing him because of this it's perfectly understandable. He's got an abusive father who attacked him. He has friggin' ligature marks on his neck from his father. He snapped and beat the shit out of his dad, right? Yep. And then he succumbed to his wounds and died and became a zombie. And then he attacked and killed the zombie. Mm-hmm. Perfectly fucking justifiable in my mind. I mean, it's, it took a long time for them to draw this shit out. Like, it was like 30 seconds and then cut away. Yeah. And then it was 30 seconds and then cut away. It was excruciating to get the actual story out of this goddamn episode. Yep. But once it was out, it didn't make any sense. It's like, yes, absolutely. This guy who, this father that is known to be abusive to both his wife and his son, the son snaps after being attacked and fights back, ultimately killing his, his dad. But, okay. I mean, he, this guy deserves therapy and some hugs rather than being ostracized and, and shunned. Totally. I completely agree with you
0: that it's not, un. I mean... Killing someone's never reasonable, but I understand what you're saying, but it, it's still traumatic, right? It's traumatic for the mother. It's traumatic for Silas. And that's why she wouldn't support him after this happened. And it's why Silas has the emotional problems that he does. And apparently he experiences these blackouts where he can't remember everything. Right. And conveniently he had one when Tony was killed. And so he doesn't, he claims to have no memory of anything. So yes, it's understandable, but it's still terribly traumatic for everybody.
1: Yes. Right. Well, I, I assume, but well, yeah. I don't know. I just, I don't think the reactions are justified. I, w- I think, I mean, it's not, it's not the seventies, right? If it was just that happened in the seventies, uh, you know, social pressure would be like, yeah, you're an asshole because everybody's dad was supposed to be abusive in the seventies. I mean, it was part of uh, how you raise a child. You smack him around a bit when he gets lippy. Right. <laughs> I mean, I was born in the '70s. I I never got smacked around. <laughs> well, okay. Well,
0: you know, it was a different time. I did most of my growing up in the '80s and '90s, though. So,
1: yeah. Well, maybe you weren't. Well, I guess my point is that we've. I think I'm hoping. I don't know if I. I'm I'm shooting myself in the foot here. I'm hoping as a society we've grown beyond uh, the bullshit where we where somebody has this kind of traumatic. Past and we ostracize them because of it, right? Oh, yeah, it feels bad that this is happening or they're depicting this as happening, uh, when uh, a different reaction is warranted here. I agree with in that in my mind. I, I so. totally
0: agree with that. Silas needs help, he doesn't need to be tied to a swing set.
1: On the other hand, they think he may be dangerous. And Yes, but his history is not get blackout drunk and go and kill people, right? If that was the, what happened in the original, in, in the backstory, that's one thing. But, you know, he gets drunk and he gets attacked. He, you know, he, he, uh, he blacks out when he gets attacked. It's a defense mechanism mm-hmm. for when he feels threatened. So if he's blacking out and doesn't remember what happened... To me, that means he felt threatened. There was a threat. there was a right. threat there that right. we need to deal with. Not he tends to get blackout drunk and beat the shit out of people. I've known people like that. They're not good people. No, no. But I don't think that that is, just, is uh, you know, the history here. No,
0: you're right. I will agree with you that it was um, super frustrating the way they told this story about giving us 20, 30 seconds at a time in the past with Silas and then coming back to the present uh i would have preferred just a solid you know 20 minutes straight of flashback telling us the backstory and then just come back to the the present but i didn't enjoy that but i also want to say that the episode did deal with that because of elton right elton was the guy who who was on silas's side he was there saying we shouldn't be treating him like this we he, he obviously has a problem. And I think Elton even said like, we've been traveling something like we've been traveling with him now. We've never, this is not him. This is not his personality. I think we need to support him rather than ostracize him. So I yeah. give the episode some credit for including
1: that in coming from Elton. I think Elton was the one shining light in this whole episode. Cause, uh, when what's her name said that, you know, all those stars are dead it's a graveyard up there, like the title of the episode, yep. he came back with, you know, logic and science. I mean, shit, those, all those stars that you see up there that, you know, they're within a couple of hundred light years and we'd be able to tell that those stars were dying long before they died out. So they're mm-hmm. all pretty much alive up there. Well, good old Elton. I mean, he, he was <laughs> yeah. a bit of an
0: optimist in this one and he was on Silas's side, but I mean, that's, the rest of the group spends most of this episode trying to decide what to do with Silas, whether to leave him behind or let him continue on with them. And as, you know, we said, Elton believes Silas, hope doesn't, and Iris wants to believe him. She's somewhere in between. Um, And Silas, you know, he's pretty low key, but I do think he um, really isn't I mean he he hates himself for for having possibly done this and he thinks he did do it right like he 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 says I I must have done it like I was there um and he believes there's something wrong with himself so that's where everybody kind of falls on this issue but in the end Silas decides to exile himself and he just walks away from the group down the road leaving his you know, CD player and headphones behind.
1: Well, that's a mistake. You mean, you never leave your CD player behind. I guess not, but it was symbolic, right?
0: Because in the flashbacks, one of the few scenes we saw with his dad that wasn't a horrible, terrible thing happening was lying down in front of that uh, um, tape player and blasting music and actually enjoying their company
1: with each other for a minute. So... That was nice, and that makes me uh, uh, look forward to the days that I can enjoy, uh, you know, sit down and and enjoy music with with Jasper. I mean, still play a bunch of stuff. I played him 99. He read Balloons the other day, and he fucking loved it. Of course he did. It's a (laughs) great (laughs) tune. I played him the English version and the German version so he could hear the difference. He didn't quite get it. Different language? Yeah. Well, yeah. Doesn't quite understand different languages yet, but I guess the problem I had with that scene, and it's kind of esoteric, I agree, uh, is that he's, uh, you know, the dad, it's a nice bonding moment where he's talking about, they're bonding about music and his dad's talking about going to concerts and feeling the crowd and, you know, and going to see ACDC in the 80s. Uh, And so he's talking about Going to see uh, an ACDC concert, which I highly recommend everybody do, at least once in their lives, if they can do it. Uh, but then he's playing this bullshit goddamn hair rock fucking music. It's like, <laughs> if you're going to talk about ACDC, goddamn it, play some ACDC.
0: Well, did they actually use the name? Did they actually use the band name in the episode? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's right. You're right. It would have been nice if they had, but they probably just don't license their music to stuff. I don't know.
1: I I don't know. I don't know either, but uh, maybe you want to go listen to all of ACDC. <laughs> well, do it, but just, they have a new album out right now and I put it on and I
0: didn't think it was very good. So go to the really? old
1: stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: Okay. Back in black. I'll just stick to my back. You in can black. never go home, man. Anyways, the more I, I actually like this episode now that we've talked about it a little bit more. The fact that, um, yes, the flashbacks were mind numbingly slow. But what they were trying to depict, I think, was good. And you turned me on to Elton a little bit here, because even though I realized that Elton was the kind of the voice of reason here and he was on Silas's side, the more I think about it, you're right. I'm glad that there was, that, that was included in the episode, and it did seem to kind of have a point a little bit right. more than I thought at first. Okay. So, Walking Dead World Beyond continues in my opinion to very slowly
1: improve. <laughs> now, Elton did find out that what's her name killed her mother, his mother. We finally had that big reveal in this episode. Yes, absolutely.
0: So that was a big deal and um you know, it comes because you know, Elton decides to leave and go and join Silas, right? After he walks away, Elton's like, he's one of us. I'm going to go with him because he deserves it. And he's thinking that if nobody goes after him, Silas will spend the rest of his life under the impression that nobody believed him and living a lie and, and believing that he killed Tony. Right. Right. And he tells this to hope. So hope says, realizes that you can't let someone do that. You can't let someone go through life, living a lie. So this whole idea convinces her to admit to Elton she killed his mom and
1: she does. I kind of liked how they revealed this. I've been kind of pissed off about this whole thing since the, since the get go. Yep. But, uh, there was that aspect to it that, uh, you know, you can't, uh, live a lie and propagate a lie. And, uh, the fact that Elton is, uh, had mentioned that he's, you know, he's still looking for his mom. She might, he's, uh, she might still be out there. And she basically was compelled to say, "She's not out there, I know this., mm-hmm. I killed her right so it is in a way it's couched in a uh you know the truth is better than lies, and I can't let you uh I can't knowingly let you continue something that is f- fruitless and pointless.
0: I mean, the point
1: so- was that Huck told her no good
0: can come of." telling him, and you have to, you kind of have to live that for him, like, like, hold on to that lie for him and protect him from it. But then we get all this stuff with Silas and Elton goes, we can't let him do that. We're better than that. And she says, you're right. We are. And guess what? You know?
1: Yeah. Uh, God help me. I think they pulled it off.
0: I think so too. I think they (laughs) somehow pulled it off. In fact, uh, one of our listeners, Daniel on the internet wrote in, he says, we all knew the confession would happen. We all thought how stupid it would be, but to be fair, they did it brilliantly. <laughs> and it's amazing that they pulled it off. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay,
1: so I'll have to give them that and I'll have a little more trust. <laughs> a little more. It's just inching but, up. <laughs> yeah. But you know, the that whole th- Telling the backstory in thirty-second chunks and twenty-second chunks was frustrating as hell. It was, and I and I understand the storytelling mechanism. Like Lost did this all through their entire run, right? You and it's it's a a common storytelling technique where you you cut from one uh plot to another so you cut to the you know the plot a and then you build that up to a, a, a tension and then you cut away to it and then you could go, go to plot b and you build that up to a tension and then you go back to plot a mm-hmm. and then you keep doing that for both plots and raising the tension and then jump into another plot and it's uh you know I understand that storytelling technique but it takes longer than 20 seconds to build up fucking tension so yep. you know if you're going to pull something out of I keep bringing up lost I don't, I don't know, it's not the end all be all, but it's a goddamn good show. Uh, and they're trying to do very losty things in this show and they're. it's not working. Overall, not so much, but, it, you know,
0: they, they did some good things here and I think they deserve some credit for that. Yes. A little bit. Uh, yes. Um, I also want to mention that Percy was nowhere to be found in this episode. They said that they searched and they found a trail of blood that stopped at the river. So the, the, uh, uh, shoot the Mississippi river that they crossed. Right. Right. Um, so we don't know if he had anything to do with any of this, no idea what's up with him. Presumably he'll show up again next week or he's just gone forever. I don't know.
1: Ah, it can't be gone forever. No,
0: I wouldn't think so. And then the other thing is, The group has splintered apart going into next week, which is our, I mean, it's two episodes, but it's the, the uh, season finale, right? So we have Elton and Silas going one way. We've got the rest of the team, um, you know, i presumably going to go after them, but for now they're, they're split up. So I think that could be sort of interesting to see where it goes from here. And they'll get back together. I know they'll reunite, but whatever. Uh, in terms of Walking Dead universe stuff in this episode, you probably noticed that in one of the flashbacks, Silas's dad offers him an orange and it has the Alliance of the Three logo on it. The little three <laughs> circles. I thought that was weird. <laughs> it's a little weird.
1: It's like having, ugh, fuck, I'm going to bring up Lost again.
0: Well, no, it's, it's like, like having it's like having the, the Canadian flag printed on all the fruit that we buy in the grocery store. Like that would be well, weird.
1: I'm on board with that. I think we should do that. If it's a Canadian apple. I want to know that it's a Canadian apple. I'd like to have the Canadian flag on it. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) That's just my opinion. I thought it was
0: weird anyways.
1: We got Canadian, uh, we got the the Canadian maple leaf on meat. Actually, you know what? Canadian
0: meat. We do have Canadian flags on a lot of the stuff, you know, product of Canada or product of USA, product of Mexico on all the produce. You'd have to tell you where it's from. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Interesting. Um, what else? We saw Iris working on the CRM code by flashlight one night. She, of course, has made no progress. <laughs> no, so of course not. <laughs> nothing to report there. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. I know it is. Anyway. It's so dumb. Um, but then, of course, the big thing is the final scene of this episode, and it is a huge deal because it is revealed that Huck is working with Lieutenant Colonel Kublik and is traveling with the
1: main group as a spy, essentially. Well, a spy for, because they uh, have their eye on somebody in particular, right?
0: Right. So Elizabeth asks about the asset and Huck says the asset is safe. So Jason, who's the asset? Or what uh, is the asset?
1: They're all the asshats.
0: <laughs> well, that may be true, but who is the asset? <laughs> uh,
1: is it Iris or is it Hope? It's or gotta it? be one of them, right? Because they referenced a the she in an earlier episode. Wait a minute. Are you sure about that? Uh yeah, is she safe? I think when they killed all the people at the uh uh at the the college there when they murdered all those people, oh they, way they back asked then. about a she, yeah. So It's got to be one of them. That's a good, uh, that's a good
0: note, actually. I hadn't thought of that because I thought it could be Felix. (laughs) I I thought it was less likely, but I suppose it could be. But you're right. They said she. So I think it's got to be one of the girls.
1: It does have to be one of the girls, but I don't think we have enough information on which one. And I think they're being very cagey about giving us enough information to pick one. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, but anyways, this is... This sort of explains
0: why Huck disappeared for an episode this season. She said she was out scouting, but what she was Uh, actually doing was going back to the CRM and reporting in. So
1: just give her a radio. Helps explain that. Why have her, you know, get away from a group for your regularly scheduled rendezvous? Just give her a goddamn radio that's secret.
0: I don't know. Might be too obvious. She sneaks away to go on the radio. It's like, oh guys, I got to go pee. I'm going to go into the woods. And then you hear her on a radio.
1: Nah, you just give three clicks, you're good. Oh yeah, that's right, there's that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Or, you know, they have the ability to text,
1: right? Uh, No, they have the ability to fax, but not anymore, not from the uh, forest. You got to be able to figure out a the technology that they have now, they can have blenders and, uh, you know, electricity and news and radio and all that kind of stuff. They can figure out a way to send coded Text messages over the air, no, they can send coded messages in a notebook,
0: but nobody knows what they mean. So
1: I could make something that sended sent coded message if i had the if I had a an Arduino and a radio transmitter, I could make a texting device that would span ten kilometers ten miles. Well,
0: I think they're farther away than than that. But I also, that was actually something I wondered about. Like she said she was gone for 48 hours. She didn't go on foot there and back in 48 hours. So she must have been picked up by a helicopter somewhere, brought in, reported, and delivered back by helicopter.
1: Yeah, helicopters are pretty loud, but they're not as loud as you think. So it's tough. Yeah, it's tough. I don't know.
0: Anyhow... Big big reveal! Huck is a double agent, and also Elizabeth's daughter.
1: Um, that or sister. Uh, you know, because she said, "Is this dad's?" Right. So that could mean either sisters or mother daughter.
0: Well, yeah. Elizabeth offers her a watch. Right. Says, "Don't be late." Is that what it was? The watch? And she it was says, a watch. Yeah. Yeah, and she says, "Is this? Did it belong to dad?" I took away, um, daughter, like. I got sister. Really? Interesting. Funny. Well, I guess it could be, yeah. I don't know. Hmm. I mean, what's the age difference? The age difference to me, more implied parent-child than sibling, but, you know, siblings can be pretty different in age these days. They
1: really can. So, you know, maybe there's seven or eight kids between them, right? There's, uh, I've, I met this girl once in high school. Uh, she was the third youngest of twenty two children. Oh, that's too many. Twenty two goddamn kids <laughs> over the span of like thirty years. Way too many. Sorry, that's too many kids. <laughs> yeah. In my humble opinion. No offense, family, but that's too many. <laughs> she would rattle off their names. Uh, they were in Finnish because uh, it was a Finnish family, uh-huh. and I didn't catch them all, but she would rattle off. She knew every one of their, well, obviously she knew every one of her siblings' names, but God damn it. That's too many kids. 22 is far too many kids. Okay.
0: Well, I guess if that's a thing, then the they then Huck and Elizabeth could be sisters, but I don't know. I, I got mother-daughter, but we'll see. Okay. Um. Now, knowing all of this, do you think it's possible that Huck is the one that killed Tony and she's framing Silas for it? Knowing full well about his history, because that's something she can use against him. Um, and I
1: don't know, killed, killed Tony to break up the group. And now they're separated, as we've seen. Too many, too many unknowns. If you got to rely on somebody blacking out so that they don't know what they did, that's tough. Unless you know of a very specific trigger.
0: Right. Yeah,
1: maybe. But
0: Huck's been around a while. Like, she probably knew... Um, she knew a lot about Silas maybe.
1: Yeah. But if you gotta, if you have to rely on the fact that he's going to black out at that moment and not know what happened and not know if he killed somebody or not, Mm -hmm. that's tough to do. I guess. Yeah. But don't put
0: it past this show. Like, I think, I feel like it's kind of likely that Huck is responsible for Tony at this point.
1: I don't know. It's, I, it's stretching reality a little thin for me. (laughs) Okay. Maybe. I don't know. Um,
0: Bernard, a listener in Toronto wrote, the last few minutes I saw coming, it was not a shocker, which I don't believe. Come on, Bernard. You saw that coming? Anyways, he says, (laughs) Huck. Good on you. Huck. Yeah. Good on you. I guess. Huck killed the guy who was figuring out the maps and codes. So that's a good point. Like Tony was the guy who figured out the maps and then was, they were starting to learn more. And so Huck is like, we don't need you figuring out those maps. You're done. So maybe he didn't black out. Maybe he was just passed out,
1: drunk. Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, Silas. Okay. Yeah, but Bernard means Tony was figuring out. No. The match. I, yes, I know. But uh, what I'm I'm sorry, I made a couple of logical leaps there. So if Huck killed Tony while Bernard was passed out, Bernard might <laughs> Silas. Bernard's Silas. our listener. <laughs> God damn it! It's been a long fucking day. I, I'm sorry, Bernard. From Toronto. That part I remembered. Uh, Silas, if Silas was blacked out at the time, drunk, then Huck could have killed Tony, uh, because he was figuring out the maps. Yeah. And then, and then Huck would not have known what he did thinking he blacked out, but in fact he just passed out.
0: (laughs) You said Huck, you meant Silas. I know they're complicated names. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Try to follow along people. Jason's (laughs) drunk right now and about to pass out. (laughs) Black yeah, out. Poss- possibly uh okay so anyways big deal um we got two episodes left and we know huck is a double agent where does it go from here it'll be exciting to find out who the asset is and what their ultimate goal is here i mean i'm assuming or i did assume that um mm-hmm. uh, they were, you know, Elizabeth and Huck have some sort of nefarious purpose, right? Yes. But what if they're actually trying to reunite the girls with their father for some reason, rather than just bring them to the CRM for some bad reason? Like, what if they're
1: working with them and they, and, and we, the audience don't really know that yet? I think that's probably the best explanation. Yeah. Now that I think about it, because if they were if the asset was uh a thing that they needed, uh, wouldn't the CRM just go and get them? Right? Shoot everybody else, get the asset and get out of there. Right? Yeah. But if it's if they're trying to work against the CRM and they're trying to use the asset to bring down the CRM or to do accomplish some nefarious goal against the CRM, Right, that would probably make more sense given the circumstance. It would certainly be another twist, but
0: it is, I think, a possibility, right? We assume that they're bringing them there for something bad and they're, they're executing the Civic Republic's will, right? The higher ups, whatever. But I have a feeling that maybe Elizabeth and Huck are actually working against their own community for whatever reason, I don't know.
1: So how, uh, how many people were at the university enclave? What oh, was that place called?
0: 9,000, the campus colony, 9,000 and something.
1: So Elizabeth killed 9,000 people for benevolent reasons? <laughs> it's, it's a tough sell, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, or maybe she didn't have a choice? I'm not really sure. Yeah, I don't know. I just think that, the
0: show might be going for the big twists. I mean, the Huck thing was a twist and maybe they're going to retwist and we're going to do the twist all day long. I don't know. We shall be twisted. We shall be, but it all will be revealed or maybe not all, but hopefully something will be revealed next week at our (laughs) mid season or our season finale. There's no more after this. It's next week. So cool. There you go. Uh, the walking dead, World Beyond, The Sky is a Graveyard, show is slowly, slowly getting better in my opinion. Let's, look man, I I have no ill will against this show. I really hope the last final two episodes are great and it really goes out on a high note. And that'll get me excited for season two. <laughs> and hopefully it doesn't start as total garbage <laughs> and slowly ramp up to being really good. <laughs> right. We don't want that. I hope this is well. So next week... On the podcast, there's no more fear, but we've got World Beyond Episode 9. It's called The Deepest Cut. Oh, yeah. And Episode 10, In This Life. So there you go. We will be talking about both of those next week on the podcast. And then there's no more Walking Dead on for a while, so we'll have to find something else to do, but I'm sure we will. Until February 28th. That's the day. February 28th, baby. When we that's come a back. good break. That's like a mid-season break. That's, that's nothing to sneeze at. It's exactly what it is. That's right. You know, we'll yeah. be, will we be into December next week? Just about. Yeah. Um, very close anyways. And so we get December and January off and I guess most of February, but that's about what the hiatus has always been. So.
1: Yeah. Next Tuesday is, uh, December 1st. So we'll be doing the next podcast on December 1st.
0: There you go. Happy December, everybody. Between now and then though, if you would like to be in touch with us, you can do that by checking out our Facebook page at facebook.com thetalkingdead. I do post news there. In fact, I posted the news about
1: the uh, return date, February 24th. So if you're paying Eighth? attention there, you would have known. That's your wife's birthday, February 24th. I mean, it's, 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 it's a good slip, but it's the wrong date. You're right. February 24th, wife's birthday, February 28th, Walking Dead Day. February twenty sixth, my birthday. That's true too. February twenty second, my wife's birthday. Jeez, a lot happens that week. <laughs> February nineteenth, my mom's birthday. Holy moly. <laughs> uh wow, a
0: lot going on. So big yeah. week. Big week at the end of big February. week. Uh so check out our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash the talking dead. You can visit our website, talkingdeadpodcast.com and click on send voicemail to send us a recorded message which is a great thing to do. You can also just record it on your phone and fire that into us. Also a fun way to do it. And if you do that, you can email it to talking at gmail.com. And of course, send all your email that way. If you have any thoughts or comments or questions or clarifications about anything we've talked about, get those in. And especially, you know, with the world beyond season finale next week, uh, we'd love to hear what you thought of it. If you're uh If you're on board or not, we'll see. So contact us, let us know. It's going to be fun. And uh, that's going to do it for this podcast. So until next week, everyone, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.